is planning your financial future with Don Fox and Andy Lister of IG Private Wealth Management and your host, Scott Thompson, on 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call, 905-529-7165. And don't forget their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. Uh, talking about CH, uh, sorry, CMHC financing. Yes. That's and what a, is this? Well, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation. Yeah. And they've been doing this forever. I know my very first house, I used them, mm -hmm. okay? And basically, they supply mortgage loan insurance. Mm -hmm. So for those people, and there's a lot of them out there, mm -hmm. that do not have 20% down. And this is probably more prevalent than ever when you're seeing the average cost of a house. Yeah. So if you've only got, say, 10% down, well, then you need CMHC financing or some, there's an, I think there's a competitor also. But uh, anyhow, it basically allows you to buy a home with less than 20% down. Mm -hmm. And really what it does, it protects the lenders in case you can't make your payment. Mm -hmm. So generally, you know, first home buyers, they often use this. Uh, you know, second time you often have a, the equity from your previous house mm -hmm. to help you get into the next one. So, you know, just as an example, um, if you had um, 500000 or less um, in terms of the amount of mortgage um, you needed, then you could actually get, you can actually go 5% down. Right. Okay. Sorry, that's just, uh, the amount of the house. So the $500,000 house or less. Mm -hmm. But if it is over a $500,000 house, which most of them are, it's for the first 500000 it's 5% down. Anything over the 500000 is 10% down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Except for once you get over a million. Once you're over a million, you can't even get CMHC financing. Mm. Okay. So not available. So this is really for, again, for the under million dollar homes. Right. Which wasn't a big deal for a long time, but uh, yeah. there's a lot more million dollar plus homes than ever right now. So the cost of this, your lender actually pays for this. So if you went to a bank or investors group, we actually pay for the, this uh, cost. Mm -hmm. But then we simply pass this on to right. the consumer. And you can either you know, do two things. You can pay that cost as a lump sum, mm -hmm. or you can do what most people do. They simply add it to the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Let's say you, uh, you bought a $750,000 home. You would have to put down uh, $50,000, okay? Because on the first 500,000, 5% down, that's 25,000. The next 250,000 is 10% down. And therefore you have to put 25,000. Mm -hmm. So both of them is 25,000 for the first 500 and 25,000 for the next 250. Total amount $50,000 is the down payment. That leaves you with a $700,000 mortgage that needs to be insured by the Canadian Housing Corp. Mm -hmm. So what would the cost of that be? Well. It turns out there's this big chart, and depending on the amount down is the amount they charge. So, for in this particular case, this is up to and including 95%, because you put on, in this case, $50,000 on a $750,000 home, so it's between 90 and 95% down, mm -hmm. okay? And therefore, there is a 4% cost. Now, this is where people often get this wrong. They think, okay, well, I just need um, that extra bit. I put 5% down, or whatever the amount was you put down, mm -hmm. and I needed just the difference at the down payment. No, this 4% mm -hmm. cost is on the total mortgage. Right. So if you've got a $700,000 mortgage, it's a 4% cost on that mortgage. 
So that would be $28,000. Not chump change. Yeah. Okay, this is a fair bit of money. And you think, okay, that's 28 grand. Obviously, to the most part, most people do not have $28,000 kicking around to put on to this, you know, mortgage in, in terms of, otherwise they may have just added it to their down payment. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so what they do, they simply tack it onto the mortgage. So now you've added 28,000 to your mortgage. It was 700,000. Now you got a $728,000 mortgage, which when you think about it, it's pretty high considered the whole house is only worth 750,000. Yeah. Now I looked at that and, and let's say you just get a conventional mortgage and it was a 28,000 dollar mortgage and you tacked it on, 25 years is kind of the norm. If you get a 25 year amortization, and let's say you get a pretty good mortgage rate, 3%. That's kind of the going rate. You could get a little lower on a five year rate now, but 3%, let's say that's amortized over the next 25 years. That $28,000 of CMHC financing really costs you just short of 40,000 because you're making payments on that yeah. for the next 25 years. So it actually is 39,833, Arguments say call it 40 grand. So I, it was kind of interesting because I was actually um, talking to somebody, a, a younger um, person, a client's uh, child, and they were looking at buying a house and they were looking and said, we got enough money to um, put the 20% down, but we don't want to be house poor. Yeah. There's things we want to do. We want to, you know, change the driveway. We want to add some things or, you know, we want to keep some money aside. I'm thinking, well, what's the cost of that? Because if you are getting the CMHC financing, it's on the total debt, mm -hmm. and they'll tack it on the mortgage. So a lot of people haven't done the homework to find out what's the real cost of having the CMHC financing. Sometimes it's the best way to go. But other times, I took a look at this and said, okay, well, let's say you needed, in this case, you had $50,000, and you had an extra hundred grand, and you figure you could pay that hundred grand because you've got a really good cash flow now. You just wanted to get in the housing market, and if you used your line of credit, and let's say your line of credit was 8%. You think, that's nuts. Why would I use an 8% line of credit when I simply can get a, add this CMHC financing to the, to the whole loan? Well, it turns out that 8%, if you just paid it over five years, it would cost you an interest, even at 8%, $21,000 of interest. Okay, so if you borrowed on your line of credit at 8%, it's actually $19,000 cheaper, sorry, $18,000 cheaper, then, uh, uh, actually, sorry, $19,000 cheaper than using the same HC financing. Mm -hmm. Definitely less expensive because you've got, you're paying it off in a quicker order. Now, if you're gonna spread it over 10 years, well, absolutely, use the same HC financing. So it all depends on, is there another form of financing you can use to uh, maybe help buy, put in the new driveway or put on a deck? And the other thing I, I looked at, if you're buying a house today, mo nobody likes to be house poor. But the thing is, if you've got this extra hundred grand sitting in your bank, I'm telling you right now, it's going to burn a hole in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Okay. You got this hundred grand, you're going to think of all the things that your new house could use. Mm -hmm. But if you had this line of credit, you're going to think a little, maybe a couple second or third or fourth thoughts. Should I buy this new furniture now? Should we buy the bedroom furniture for the guest room or can we just leave that empty for now? Yeah. Like you'll start making choices. So... These are the, this is why it's important to sit down with your financial planner and literally go through, here's the one option, here's the other option. How fast do you think you can pay this off? What really needs to get done around your house? Because I'm with you, I don't like being house poor either. That being said, I 
kind of made do with things. I, I got windows one year and then, oh, okay, I'll get the siding two years later. And you start doing things in increments as you can afford it rather than doing it all at once. And the cost savings is, is huge. So I, I take that one step further. Let's say you're so close. You're 18% down. You need 2% down on the $150,000 home. So you got $135,000. And you need one hundred and fifty dollars as a down payment on this $750,000 home. You're only $15,000 short. Okay. Well, if you use the CMHC financing going back to their grid, you've got a, a larger percentage. So you only have to pay, instead of 4% on the previous example, it's only a 2.8% cost. Uh, so the cost on that, it's 2.5% on a $615,000 mortgage. It's a $17,000 cost. You're only 15000 short. And they're going to add another 17000 to your mortgage. Yeah. Massive. So again, if you're able to find a way to borrow, and again, some it may not be the easy thing. Sometimes it, I know personally, I got a uh, help from a family member at ten percent. Mm -hmm. It was way way less expensive. And that was a deal. That was a deal. <laughs> to deal, I paid it off quite quickly. She was not happy about it. Yeah. Um, but I look at this. If you have a fifteen thousand dollar loan for at eight percent for five years, the cost of interest on that is only thirty two hundred dollars. A hell, heck of a lot better than the $17,000 cost of the CMHC financing. And the other thing is, is once that's added to your mortgage, there's no chance or very little chance that you're going to pay that off. Yeah. It's just added to the mortgage. You're just going to make your normal mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. You might pay the mortgage off early, but it won't be paid off in five years likely. Mm -hmm. So if it's paid over tw 25 years, you are now up to a $24,000 cost just because you're $15,000 short of your down payment. Hmm. And this happens all the time. I hate to say it because I'm just saying most young couples aren't going through the numbers. And quite frankly, I say the banks or the institutions are simply here. Here's They're your going own. through the decor store, not the numbers. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> so they say, here you go. And they'll even, you know, play on, play on the, uh, the attitudes of not being house poor. And we do, you know, we want to get this done and we want to have, you know, curtains and we don't want to sit on, you know, university. We we already went to university. We're we're done sitting on cases of beer for mm -hmm. furniture. You don't want to cardboard furniture anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't want to do without. And to the most part, they were renting before. So it's kind of interesting when you're renting. You generally can afford a better place when you're renting than when you're buying. And so you are saving money for that down payment, but eh, having a little bit of fun, still going out at night and stuff. But boy, when you make that plunge into home ownership it's usually a bit of a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I just hate to see the sacrifice being this much money because you decided to use a CMHC financing blindly rather than going through the numbers. And it's kind of interesting because compounding interest is an amazing thing. And it was well said, Einstein way, way back said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He went on to further say, he who understands it, earns it. Hmm. He who doesn't, pays it. <laughs> okay. And this is what happens with CMHC financing or any debt for that matter. If you let it go on and on and on and on, you're actually compounding the debt. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, on the investment side, you can also compound the interest. And it's, it's quite fascinating because if you invested, say, for 10% for five years, you'd end up multiplying your wealth by 1.6 times. So 100 grand at 10%, uh, five years later, you're at 160 grand. Okay, fairly, you, you did okay. But 
if you invested your capital at uh, uh, for 50 years, well, that's 10 times longer. You've left that money a lot longer. You'd think, okay, well, it was 1.6 times, therefore you're going to be at 16 times. Compound interest doesn't work that way. You actually multiply your wealth by 117 times. So it was actually interesting, just as a, a sidebar, if you had 100, 100 grand, five years later it's 161, just not, never adding money to it, 259 in 10 years, in 25 years, that's at a million bucks. That's how compounding, it's, it's just that growth rate. The key is, though, on the debt side is to make the debt not get away from you. And little decisions like this can add up a long way for you to become financially independent. <clears throat> so again, look at your choices, see your financial planner. Don't simply go to the bank saying, okay, I guess I just use the CMHC financing. Get, get a little education on this first. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. We're coming right back. Andy Lister and Scott Thompson, a winning combination. This is Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com, all one word. There you can listen to old archive shows or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, talking about financial planning roadblocks. Yes, and I just wanted to say a shout out to all of the people who attended our seminar. Oh, the seminar. How'd yeah, it go? We had a great time and it was uh, fantastic to see everybody really appreciate you coming out and mm -hmm. uh, lots of great questions and I think it was a valuable session so yeah, really appreciate stuff. it mm -hmm. um, this is financial planning literacy month and it's also financial planning week just wrapping up so we had all kinds of exciting stuff and uh, information being sent out popping balloons popping balloons boy <laughs> it is something that uh, you know ironically you think about your health and you think about your wealth yeah. and these are two critical elements to our our overall well-being mm -hmm. our financial well-being and our health and our well-being in terms of our healthy lifestyles but um, trying to overcome financial roadblocks is something that sort of jumped out at me as we were looking at information and some research that was done by the Financial Planning Institute of Canada and something they call the financial confidence index and this is sort of a survey this is basically a survey to Canadians to understand how they're feeling and what are the issues for them the top priorities when it comes to their finances and feeling confident and in, in summary so sort of some of the, the findings were 59 out of a hundred it's almost 60 percent represents the level of confidence that uh, Canadians feel about their personal finances so about 60 percent of a 60 we feel about 60 percent confident about mm -hmm. our overall finances not bad it's a pass I yeah. guess mm -hmm. But it's certainly, um, uh, you know, you're not putting a lot of effort into yeah. that 60%. To, it's a C. To, it's a C. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, uh, on average, Canadians are saying that they're spending about 7 to 16 hours a week worrying about finances. Mm. So this is a weekly occurrence. 
that people are thinking about it and wondering and worrying and have questions. 48% of Canadians have lost sleep because of financial worries. 79% of Canadians will, uh, with low financial confidence are feeling anxious and um, basically whenever they're thinking about their finances, it creates creating a lot of anxiety. Almost 80% of Canadians with low financial confidence. And one in five Canadians avoid thinking about their personal finances. So, you know, it's there's no... Um, quick fix to this but the thought today on this segment is how do we overcome some of the roadblocks to financial planning and you know for the the, as we find out by that study that many of us are putting off planning for the long term our long-term financial health and and we've said it on the show and people have heard it before but we always say oh you know the earlier the better you get started you're going to be better off Um, or it's never too late to get into it and get started and and that's fine but the the truth is is that procrastination is so common and you know these are if this is an area that you don't have a passion about or a general mm-hmm. interest about none of the listeners right now I'm sure yeah. but there uh, but procrastination is definitely probably the biggest reason that people don't do better financially and so how do you make yourself accountable how do you create accountability and put the financial planning process into motion so that you're going to feel better you're going to have less stress and the the truth is is that most of us it comes back to just human behavior and habits and there's some societal factors as well so we sort of identified three factors that kind of help us procrastinate and are preventing us from improving our financial health. The first one is there's massive amounts of information. Yeah. So with access to the internet, you know, you you, you can get so much about every subject and I'm sure there's opinions on both sides of every subject as well. So it's so easy to create a state of overwhelmness. You just feel overwhelmed by all of it. And for most of us, when we can't make sense of all of that, we basically just give up. Yeah. You know, I I don't know where to start. It's so overwhelming. I just give it up. I'm going to forget about it. But the problem is we're spending seven to 16 hours a week worrying about it. Already. Already. (laughs) So (laughs) on top of that. So that's number one. Number two is we don't know how to turn. We don't know who to turn to. And for example, let's say you had a huge debt and you're worrying about that. Well, who do you consult? And, and the reason that we're not, you know, jumping on that to get it solved is we're not really sure who to trust. Yeah. So there's a lack of trust in terms of the industry or what the motivations of the industry might be. And, and the other thing is the sort of, feel of fear of failure. What if I get bad advice? Yeah. You know, I go to somebody and I get this information, mm-hmm. I start doing something and it turns out it was bad. So we sort of defeat ourselves to start with, but we really do struggle with, you know, knowing who to turn to during this this time period and the third thing is that talking about money is a huge societal stigma and which is ironic to me in the sense that we know so many particularly millennials and and every to everybody to a large extent put themselves out there on social media just about about everything in their lives (laughs) everything in their lives except what money yeah Maybe health, but even that you yeah. see socially. Uh, they do take pictures about. of the stuff the money gets them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> whether that's it's so food true. or a toy Absolutely, or whatever. right? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's in the next segment. We'll talk uh, about okay. that. But, um, you know, so, so talking about money really does have a stigma around it. And uh, we, as I say, in social media, we're sharing everything, but we don't share very much about our money or our money worries mm. or how to solve that. <clears throat> Pardon me. So what are the solutions? 
Financial literacy. Well, it's Financial Literacy Month, so obviously trying to improve your financial literacy is a great strategy. And it is important, except, and I'm going to give you an analogy. Let's say you, you damaged your knee, and now you're thinking, well, I, go, I need to go get a textbook to figure out everything I need to know about knee surgery. And then I need to read another textbook and I need to become literate on surgical techniques <laughs> where really what you as a skilled orthopedic surgeon, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't need to be literate in all aspects. You need a good doctor. You just need a good orthopedic surgeon, mm -hmm. right? And, and the same would be true about financial planning. And that is, and we'll talk about CFPs in a second, a certified financial planner and what that means in terms of building confidence as well. So if you have a financial, if you have financial trouble, and you need, you need to get started with, you know, you don't need to know everything. And I think that's the key. A CFP, a certified financial planner, will have the expertise to find your blind spots, the areas or opportunities that you might have missed and you can't see them. So that's number one. Uh, number two is, well, I don't have enough money or I don't earn enough. And I think that that's I think people basically wrongly believe that financial planning is just about investments. Yeah. And the truth is, it's so much more. And so if, you're, if you have a job and you're working, there's no doubt that a CFP can help you. It might just be, say, maximizing your benefits. Um, you, you might be involved in a matching contribution program. How do you best take advantage of that? What type of investments should you be using if you've got a, a defined, or sorry, defined contribution plan or a group RRSP at work and the, your employer is willing to match some of that so that you can take advantage and build your wealth? And, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't have a lot of money and you're just getting started, and for Don and I, we both have a team members that are more than capable of helping somebody at that early stage of their financial life. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. always going to be a fit. We just need to figure out what your goals are yeah. and wh where you're going to get started. And you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, yeah. right? So I think you're not going to start at the end. Otherwise, you wouldn't need the advice. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, I don't don't be worried about contacting a CFP and getting professional help because uh, you, you may think you don't have enough money but there's always a place where you can be helped and fit in um, the third thing is we're going to come back to procrastination right how do we overcome procrastination and uh, it's it's true I mean we're basically we are hardwired for instant gratification mm -hmm. right it's it gives us the dopamine we love it and it was interesting part of the research in this they actually looked at how our brains light up when we think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, mm -hmm. bam, there's energy there, you can see it, but our brains go dim when we think about strangers or anybody yeah. else. So we're really not that interested mm -hmm. in anybody else. And so the problem is, is that it's very difficult to light your brain up when you're thinking about yourself 10 or 20 years down the road. Mm. You can't see yourself out that far. You can't really get the dopamine from that visual. Mm. So one of the one of the strategies that you can think about in terms of getting that connected and getting your brain to light up a little bit about the future is using some exercises, and this might be just for a short period of time, where for the next two weeks, you take five minutes a day and begin to paint a picture of your future self. You might even draw pictures of some of the things you'd like to be doing or what you might be, like to doing. Um, 
daydream about your future self, what that might look like, what are you going to be doing, what will you be enjoying? And that helps to sort of get your brain thinking about who you're going to be down the road and get excited and a little more lit up. It's amazing how people get so caught up in the day-to-day things they have to do just to, to survive, just yes. to, 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 to complete the day. Yes. They don't often visualize themselves 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road or where this is going. Yeah, you're so caught I just up in the moment. the next week. Exactly. Stay <laughs> exactly. with the next year. I, I, can, I can barely see next week. And some people have that sort of um, yeah. uh, mentality. Well, I might not even live that long either. Yeah, and so, you, you know, procrast- you can easily rationalize procrastinating yeah. on yeah. all this process. Yeah. But if you begin to build a picture of your future self, you can get your brain a little more excited about it. And that helps stimulate or stop the procrastination yeah. as well yeah. and get things moving. The, the second exercise you can do in terms of procrastination is making specific time-linked commitments to yourself. So, and, and the, the brain is weird about this, but if you think about people will not go to the gym because they're anticipating how terrible they'll feel when they don't go. If they decide to skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you know what? I could start it, but I know I'm going to stop or I might skip it. I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to beat myself up. So why even bother starting? On the other hand, I ha- used to have a friend that would say, you never finish a workout and after it was over say, I wish I had not done that. Isn't that true? You know, because you feel so elated that you've accomplished a yes, goal. Yes. Even though... You're not really going to get enough out of one session to see the physical benefit, but you know mentally you've it's at least true. moved in that direction. But yet our brains anticipate how terrible yeah, we'll feel if yeah. we skip a workout yeah, yeah, and yeah. we beat ourselves up. Yeah. And that is even more powerful yeah. and sometimes prevents us from yeah. getting even started. So at the end of the day, you know, it makes sense to partner with a CFP professional. And, um, you know, the, the thing about your health uh and looking after your health is so often a doctor will book that appointment in advance, you know, a year from now, or it might be a dental follow-up or whatever it is. And then they send you reminders. Well, guess what? We do the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? We will book an appointment with somebody um, six months later, a year later, we'll send follow-ups to make sure that 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 appointment is, you're ready, we're prepped and we're good to go. All of that helps stop the procrastination, right? Because there's a system built into making sure that you're paying attention to your finances and there's a game plan in place. So just quickly, you know, how do you choose a financial planner? And I guess there's sort of three questions that you might ask somebody if they were, if you're considering using them as your, as your financial planner. First of all, what are your qualifications? So obviously both Don and I are CFPs. So I would make sure that your financial planner holds a professional designation and the CFP certification is certainly one of the top. And the thing about the CFP is that the organization make sure that um, there's a standard, a professional standards and responsibility, and that guides the conduct and the professional activities of the individuals. There's also a code of ethics, which has to be followed, and, uh, and a written obligation for CFPs to professionals to put their clients' interests before their own. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, there's continuing education requirements for every CFP professional, 30 hours a year. And that's, when you think about that's that, lot, that yeah. is a lot, yeah. and it, but what it does is it makes sure that we're we're prepared and we're up to date and we're armed with all the latest information, tax changes, etc. Question number two, what services do you offer? So uh, some financial planners uh, are licensed to sell financial products and others might simply focus on building a financial plan. 
So you'd want to find out or if your if your planner will or will not be able to implement your financial plan by helping you put all those recommendations and products in peace and in place and follow up. And I think that's an important thing that it's it's great to be armed with a plan, but if you don't execute it, then you're really still on the same but you had well intentions, mm-hmm. but you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, it's like joining the gym, but never going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads to more guilt. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Then you're really going to feel bad. <clears throat> uh, and we would get on you that cause that's a waste of monthly money. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I think it's, I, I value the, everybody says, well, if somebody doesn't sell products, they're unbiased, et cetera. And that's true. But if you don't get it done and you don't implement it, then you're no further ahead. Yeah. And so I think being able to marry together product and a plan is actually an excellent alternative. And question number three, how do you charge for your services? So asking your planner how they're being compensated just ensures that you're getting an objective you know, you're getting objective financial advice and that it's either going to be a commission, it might be fee-based or a combination of the two. Are there annual fees that are going to be involved and what kind of other fees <clears throat> should I be aware of? So, um, and I think licensing becomes another part of this in terms of some people are licensed just to sell investment products, but other people might be able to offer, in addition to that, insurance products. And I think that as another balanced approach to how somebody might be thinking about, for example, creating a retirement income. Mm-hmm. A lot of retirement income today is going to be uh, a combination of drawing down on your investments, the decumulation phase, but being able to build in a guaranteed income stream, either through an annuity, like for example, is a great way to sort of add pieces of mind and creating a more structured income during retirement. We call it creating that retirement paycheck. So overall, it's been, um, uh, we're winding up the financial literacy month and uh, financial Did you bring planning. cake? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the candles will blow that it up. That was Don's job to bring <laughs> exactly. the cake, wasn't it? Uh, mm. But um, some great information and I encourage you, you can go to uh, FP Canada uh, website and there's all kinds of additional information as well as how to find a financial planner. And you were talking about the, um, uh, you know, issues and, and uh, night sweats comes to mind for me uh, of not having the anxiety because you, you have all this stuff out there that you haven't tended to yet and and you know so you just forget about it and move on if you're feeling that way now if you're feeling anxious about it you know the motivation is think how great you'll feel when you can go all right that's done just like your will or your insurance or anything else it's one more thing you can park and every year go in and check it out and you don't have to worry about it anymore and, and that alleviates the, the anxiety and we're, we're talking about compound interest while compounding regret yeah. and anxiety same as thing. it works yeah. the same so absolutely we are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. We're coming right back. Investment planning, tax planning, estate planning, expert advice. This is Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. We are Planning Your Financial Future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's all one word. There you can listen to old archive shows and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, talking about 10 ways to save even more. Yeah, save more money and pay down debt. And, you know, if you're like me, 
You're, you know you got one more sleep till the Thai Cats play tomorrow in the Grey Cup. <laughs> and that's and this is just trying filler time to get through I was the next 24 hours. I was wondering how I was like you, but now absolutely <laughs> you have solidified this. I absolutely can't wait to see this game. I'm a huge long-term season ticket holder, and I am absolutely pumped. It's been a yeah, long time coming, so I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, there is some ways to save more money and pay down debt. And it came out... Uh, Last week. While I'm watching the game? No, or? no, we'll do that today. Okay, okay. No, focus on the game tomorrow. Make your own way. Get your game face Don't on. Don't order them in. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, saving the saving rate in Canada is actually the lowest in decades right now. Is this a, a new stat came out last week? Um, really what happens is billions of dollars is going into mortgage debt. And I know we talked about earlier about the CMHC financing. That's why they are probably having a good bump in their business right now. Household savings rate. In Canada, that's disposable income left after spending is 1.7%. It's the lowest in six, de- six decades. Wow. you got to go back to the six. Um, last year, in, 19, in 2018, it was $852 per household is the amount they saved. $852 in a whole year. A year? A year is what they saved. You go back to 2000. How did, they, how did they do that? That's not even, <laughs> we're not even talking, I, what, that's not even $80 a month. Yeah. Like, it's, yep. it's ridiculous. That's so, that's just so low. And it's going towards mortgage debt and a lot of debt. Um, in fact, actually, in 2013, which, again, is not the best by any stretch, our, we were saving, on average, $3,500 per year. So in a measly five years, we've gone from $3,500 a year in savings to $852 a year. Mm. Um, U.S.'s and Germany are actually ramping up their savings. So some people say, well, the, you know, the borrowing costs are really low. That's why we're not saving much. We're just getting more debt. We can buy more stuff. Well, the U.S. and, uh, and Germany are actually Germany has negative um, rates right now for savings. U.S. is super low borrowing rates also. So that's not really the case. Um, and really, it's not a big deal that we're not saving, I guess, um, from an economic front until there's a slowdown. Mm-hmm. And we don't have then people have to rein in their spending or they're going to have to carry more debt. So there's a better increase of a recession if we have this you know, bad savings rate because we have nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So they have been um, you know, 84% of the increase in debt since 1999 to 2016 was mortgages, 84%. So it is going towards homes. So, Keynes so, so been, that's good debt. That's good debt, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. But perhaps... Uh, it's limiting what they can right, save. Right. Um, they're making all mortgage payments. So, yeah. and again, I guess with the housing prices also making the housing prices goes up because everybody's buying demand for housing. So it's kind of a, a vicious circle there. But uh, interesting enough, in 2017, $89 billion was taken out in a home, homeowner's line of credit. Mm-hmm. $89 billion was extracted in the equity of your house. So right now, we are spending 15 cents on every dollar earned on debt payments. And uh, right now, it's also the second straight quarter in a row where interest payments are greater than the principal payments. So on the other hand, again, I'm looking at the U.S., they're actually hoarding cash, and their savings rate currently is 8%. We're 1.7%. So vast difference. Germany's 11%. Why do you think that is? Do you think that is because the last recession affected them greater than it did us? That's probably a good part of it. Because it's a different Scott. attitude, right? Yeah, they, uh, they got blindsided a lot more. Yeah. We weren't, we did, we got... Relatively was, unscathed. Yeah, yeah, other than, you know, our, our portfolio went down. Yeah. It wasn't kind of the job scare and stuff like that we did. So they are saving a lot more. But during bad times, like, 
you know, a good example, Scott, was back in 1982, our savings rate was 21% because interest rates were so high yeah. and mortgage rates were That's so high. That's also was the interest rate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, after recessions, it does kind of make you change. So you're absolutely right, and they are probably a little more fearful, so they're saving more. Yeah. Okay? So in terms of what can you do, first thing, number one, is set a goal, write it down. You know, write down your, your goal in terms of what you want to achieve financially. Uh, number two, track your dollars. Start using a daily journal or, you know, there's so many apps right now and some are excellent apps. Find a financial planning app. Every time you do something, put it on your app. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like Weight Watchers. You know, you're supposed to weigh yourself. Do the same with your money. Mm. Okay. Kill two birds with one How stone. How light are your pockets getting? <laughs> <laughs> you want heavy pockets. That's it. It's the opposite of Let's Weight Watchers. Let's bring back the penny. <laughs> um, RSPs, you can get your tax savings from the RSP, take the tax savings, put that against um, our ESPs. So double whammy in terms of your savings. Use the government to help you save more. Trim your spending. Again, um, find that leakage. When you track your dollars with an app, you start finding leakage and start, you'll find, oh, do I really need that? I may not even get that anymore. I'll cancel that. You know, whatever uh, Netflix, no, that's probably, that's too outrageous, but maybe Tim Hortons or something. It's going too deep, Don. <laughs> won't do that. Um, you know, automate it. You know, packing um, pre-authorized checks for savings is the best way. You look at some of the books written, Millionaire Next Door, it's all about making it automatic. Pay less tax. Everybody knows you should have RSPs, TFSAs, or both. Try, try to figure out which, which you should have. Number seven, uh, snowball. We talked about compound interest, but absolutely, let it snowball. Just stick with it. And eight, this is an interesting idea. Put all your debts in a row from the highest interest debt to the lowest, stack it. Mm -hmm. If you visualize all this debt, it actually might scare you and say, oh, I gotta get rid of that credit card debt. That's 19% or 20%. And again, nine, don't tempt yourself. We talked about going to the gym. Go to the gym or something else, don't go to the malls, okay? <laughs> it, it won't light up that brain as Andy was mentioning, but boy, you won't be spending money. And, and again, finally, have a financial planner, have a third party go through your affairs and this will keep you on track. It's like, it's again like having a personal trainer at the gym. This is for your money. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. Don Fox, Andy Lister, and Scott Thompson. A winning combination. This is Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. We are Planning Your Financial Future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button, as well listen to old archive shows. All right, overcoming financial peer pressure. Parents with young children are the most likely to feel pressure to keep up with their peers in terms of spending money. And 20% of all Canadians admit to financial peer pressure. Yeah, it's the kids' fault. It's originating with the kids, yeah, Andy. That's so what I'm getting out of this. Where did this all come from, hmm. right? You said social media, but do you remember the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know where that came from? No. Ah, so here's the story. It's old. It is old. You're <laughs> right, it is old. Keeping up with the Joneses comes from a long-running comic strip of the same name. It was called Keeping Up With The Joneses, oh, right. a comic strip, yeah. which was created in 1913. Wow. 1913, over 100 year, 106 years ago. And it was published until 1940 hmm. by the New York World newspaper. 
And the comic details the exploits of the social climbing family, the McGinnis family. And they're trying to emulate a wealthier family. So mm. over time, the, the comic, the, the name of the comic uh, has become synonymous with financial peer pressure. And the impact of keeping up with the Joneses in terms of your financial status is far from comical. Let's put wow. it that way. Mm. So it was, it's been around for a long time, but we're all subject to it mm -hmm. still. Isn't it fascinating yeah. to me? So when you think about the steps to avoid keeping up with the Joneses, um, the first thing that came to mind, uh, and I remember this um, uh, quote from actor Will Smith, and he said, too many people buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. And <laughs> there's nothing more true about that, yeah, right? Yeah. And, um, but when you think about, there's two questions, I guess, that sort of come from that quote when you're thinking about peer-motivated consumerism. Who are you doing it for, question one, and question two, why are you basing your self-worth on what other people think, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the reality too, and I was thinking about this the other day as we were sort of unloading some packaging from an Amazon box and, yep. and it was this little item with bubble wrap and cardboard <laughs> and, and a diesel truck that came and delivered it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought mm -hmm. about the, the huge cost to our planet about uh, uh, consumerism is, is, is enormous. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe there'll be some backlash to this a little mm -hmm. bit down the road, but um, I know that our consumer makes up a big part of, for example, in the U.S. economy, 70% of the GDP yeah. is driven by consumer. So... It is a huge cost to the planet, there's no doubt about it. But, and the truth is, for most people, experiences and achieving life goals is a lot more valuable or more important mm -hmm. than uh, having more possessions, yeah. right? So the, the, the strategy around the peer pressure issue, I think, comes from trying to map out your short-term, and Dom was just talking about this, but your short-term, medium, and long-term goals. Get your brain lit up a little bit more about those things. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about taking money to, but to buy something, whether it's an impulse or you just have to have it, you might then think about, well, how does that affect that short-term goal we were talking about, or that medium-term goal, mm -hmm. or that long-term goal? And to the extent that people are um, buying stuff they don't need, yeah. you know, and and the impact it's having on their capacity to reach their personal financial goals, mm -hmm. that has to weigh in. But you know, we're wired for, for instant gratification, yeah. and so it doesn't make it easy. So we know that um, kids are a big part of this. Mm -hmm. So anybody, any parents with children under the age 18, almost 40% of them are more likely to feel financial peer, peer pressure than others. No. And there's a whole bunch going on there, right? Everybody can, you know, everybody wants to feel they've got access to activities that their friends have. They don't want to be different than anybody else. But you really have to ask yourself, you know, can you afford private school? Is mm. that, for example, mm. can you afford that extra special fancy camp to send your kids to? Is the clothing really necessary that they have to have? You know, all of those things, they're no surefire predictor to success later in life. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. But they're all just maybe impacting your own ability to meet your own financial goals. And the other one, which was interesting to me, is empty nesters. And empty nesters are an, a different category because they probably finished paying for their kids' school and they're, they're older now, maybe getting launched. But as older people kind of hit their stride, they're also in their careers making more money than they've mm -hmm. ever made. And they literally, a lot of them, and I've seen this before, they start 
getting carried away and spending disposable income like big teenagers with money. Really? You know, uh, <laughs> they're going right back at it and yeah. getting new this and new that and trips here and trips there. So, you know, maybe that money could really amplify their financial goals instead of more possessions. Mm-hmm. So, but people will justify anything they want, right? There's no doubt about it. Um, I guess the big downside the is... The kids are out of the house, let's go on a trip. Exactly. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, I guess the big downside of this is you're pressured into too much spending is that you could end up falling short of your goals or worse, you could fall into debt, yeah. right? Yeah. And now if you're into debt over your spending, there was another good quote from a cartoonist, Bob Thaves. It says, money talks, but credit has an echo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is cute. But if you find yourself in that kind of situation where now you're spending too much and your cre- and your debt is creeping up, you need to run, mm-hmm. and not walk, to someone who can help you out and give you uh, good advice. And no better person than a CFP professional. And uh, you need a financial plan <clears throat> to make sure that you're back on track. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at nine zero five five two nine. 7165 and don't forget about their website at andyanddon.com. Is there something you wanted to say, Don? I just <laughs> want to give my last Oski wee wee let's go cats tomorrow. All right, there you go. Uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, this has been Scott Thompson in IG Private Wealth Management. Thanks guys. Thanks Scott.